This is episode number 923 with Dave Sparks. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Paulo Coelho said, when we strive to become better than we are, everything around us becomes better too. Bruce Lee said, the successful warrior is the average man with laser-like focus. And Mark Twain said, continuous improvement is better than delayed perfection. We've got a new friend of mine, Dave Sparks, who is in the house. I met Dave at Monster Jam. I watched him doing backflips on this massive truck in an arena of like 25, 30,000 people with monster truck. They're all driving and jumping and doing these crazy flips and stuff. And it was crazy. And he's the star of a show on Discovery Channel called Diesel Brothers. And he's just got an incredible story. And I'm super excited for you to meet this individual. He's an entrepreneur, custom vehicle builder, Massive social media personality from Salt Lake City, Utah. And he goes by the name of Heavy D. And since he was little, Dave has been fascinated with anything with an engine or wheels. And in 2009, he met a girl of his dreams at church, married her one year later. And he's got a couple of amazing kids. He picked up his dealer license, opened up a small used car lot, and started working to build his dream company. And his business and his family continues to grow with his creativity, his expression, and his ability to to really create magical things for people. It's really cool what this guy does. And in this interview, we talk about the power of self-improvement and how it has shaped Dave's life and career, why it's so important to constantly be uncomfortable to grow, what it was like growing up Mormon and the impact of his two-year mission, how he met his wife and how they challenge each other to be better, that and so much more. It's funny, every person we bring on, they focus on improvement. They focus on growth. They focus on bettering themselves, doing the things daily to improve their life. And by doing so, they seem to create a life of their dreams. They seem to manifest better relationships, better health, better opportunities. So the fact that you're here right now taking care of yourself, learning, growing, inspiring, improving, you're on the path to doing something greater. You're on the path to growth because you're choosing to learn and develop yourself. So I acknowledge you for being here. If this is your first time here, welcome to the School of Greatness. If this is your 923rd time here, then welcome back. I love you either way, and I'm super excited for you to dive in. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone if you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Okay, quick math. 
The less your business depends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep, obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash greatness. netsuite.com slash greatness. Again, head to netsuite.com slash greatness. Okay, welcome back to Morning School of Greatness podcast. My man, Dave Sparks in the house. Good right. to see you, brother. Absolutely. Doing good? Dude, I am so happy to be here. I got to tell you, I'm big into personal development, right? Yeah. People see me as the truck guy. I'm the truck guy on Discovery Channel. I'm the, the crazy monster truck guy on Instagram and social media. But, man, I'm all about this growth. Mm-hmm. And that's what you do best, man. I started listening to your podcast. Um, I'm good buddies with Andy Frazella. Yeah. You know, you're you know, a mutual guy. friend of ours. Yeah. And he kind of turned me on to that world of, of podcasts and personal development stuff. And since then I got into, I had great relationships with guys like Ed Milet, mm-hmm. um, all these different people. So what you're doing is a very good thing. And I'm pumped to be a part of it. Thanks, man. Well, I think anyone who is in shape like you, who's got a great marriage, great family life, got a great business, they can't achieve those great things without working on themselves, without personal development, without a growth mindset. You can't be stuck in this traditional mindset from the past, you have to be working on how can I improve? But the problem is there's this weird like social kind of like, don't do that, that's weird, that's your parents. Like when I was growing up, my parents, um, they bought the Tony Robbins, what was yeah. the tape set? And it was Giant Within or something. Yeah, personal, it, was, personal it was power. Yeah, personal power, that's uh-huh. what it was. I remember growing up seeing this big like padded yeah. cassette tape thing with personal power. And I remember when my parents got that, their friends like, were laughing at them. They thought they were so dumb. And I remember thinking like, what are they, my parents getting into? Is this a cult? I didn't understand it. And so a lot of people don't understand when you hear personal development or self-help, you think, oh, you gotta be sick, right? Yeah. This person must have psychological issues or problems. Forget about it, dude. It's about taking somebody that's already great. I'd be like, I'm a fine-tuned machine, but guess what? I can still get better. Well, here's the thing we learned from interviewing great leaders uh, and from leaders of the past that they're always working on themselves. Right. They were never like, let me read because I need to, I'm in pain. They're like, I want to read to learn to improve. 100%. Let me go to a workshop to learn to improve what I already have. How do I take my current empire and make it bigger? Right. Right. It's not I'm well, sick or I'm hurt or I'm depressed and I need help. It's I want to take it to another level. And I think that's a, a cause. So depression, right? There's a mm-hmm. huge epidemic nationwide of people that have depression because I think what happens is now I know there's clinical depression where people actually there's, there's chemical issues uh-huh. and imbalance, uh-huh. but... I also think a lot of depression is self-induced because people just stop growing. If you're not uncomfortable, you always heard this, right? If you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing. Mm. And that's that's so true. So, you know, as we get into the conversation, I'll tell you about some of the things that I do to intentionally make myself uncomfortable. And I think that's actually how we met. Uh, you know, we have that in common with Wim Hof and, and yeah, ice yeah. baths. That is not a fun thing to do. I hate cold water. I'm a, I'm a tough dude. I can take pretty much anything <laughs> you throw me, but I, ice water, that, you know. You can take hard. the heat, but not the cold. Dude, I can take anything, but cold, yeah. like... That's rough, but you gotta 
get yourself out of your comfort zone. And so that's yeah. what my life is all about, man. And it has led to some of the greatest adventures and some of the greatest moments, um, you know, that I never thought I would be able to experience. But by doing those hard things, it's led me there. What are those things daily you do that are hard that you seek pain every day? So here's the deal. I'm an average guy. I started with nothing. I literally started with nothing. High school and, dropout, right? Uh, yeah, basically high school finished, done. I got- One semester of college? Not even, yeah. It was like half a semester of college under my belt. Um, and I just left. I remember sitting there uh, reading, uh, I was writing a book about, or an essay on Easter Island. And I stopped mid-writing, and I've always been a really good writer, even though I don't do it that much. And I thought, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? When am I ever gonna use this information? That day I walked up and left and I never went back. And um, luckily I've got a family that very supportive. They're very intelligent. Both my uh, sisters and my brother have their master's degrees. My brother's a professor at the University of Utah. Very, very smart people as far as academics go. It just wasn't for me. Right. I needed to get my hands on things and be working on them. So um, ultimately what happened is you, get, you become successful. You know, flash, fast forward to where we're at today, my business has become successful through a series of wild events. Yeah. I am who I am now. But once you become successful, and tell me if you don't agree with this, life gets easier. Way easier. And you stop ha having to do things you don't want to do for the most part. I mean, you got to meetings and stuff like that, but you really don't have to like be uncomfortable, right? Successful people don't. So that's the scariest part about becoming successful is getting complacent. Yeah. Getting to the point where it's like, okay, I'm good. I made it. You never made it. And if you ever get that mentality where you've made it, you are going to go downhill fast, in my opinion. I've seen it happen a lot. So um, I intentionally get myself uncomfortable in the morning by getting up and I go down um, to my office in my little, you know, uh, quiet space and I jump in an ice bath. And in Utah, it's an average 26 degrees every day right wow. now. So I take my big ice trough, put it outside every day. <laughs> Get down there. You don't need ice. Dude, no. I, I'm breaking, I'm breaking through six to eight inches of ice wow. to get in this thing. And you know how that feels, dude. You went over to, you did it with Wim Hof. That's why I'm miserable. super, super envious. Yeah. But you know that forcing yourself to do that, A, starts to create that self-discipline. You start training yourself that, yes, I can do hard things and it's okay to do hard things. And guess what? Hard things benefit you. How yeah. do you feel when you get out of the ice and your blood starts rushing back to your body? You start warming up. That's a perfect example for me of... Doing something hard has a huge payoff and you have to do things consistently. So yeah. I've done my ice bath every single day. I've done it on and off for the last couple of years. Every single day though for two and a half months and the benefits are incredible. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's, that's, that's been huge for me, but <laughs> funny story I tell. <laughs> Another thing that I do to, get, to intentionally get uncomfortable. For some reason growing up, I always hated, um, let's say you're in the Apple store, right? And, uh, you're inside and everybody's in there. You're doing your thing. Apple store super clicky too. You know how it is. Like sure, sure. all the cool kids are in there. <laughs> if I were to show up and it's the store closes at nine and I grab the door handle at 901 and it's locked for some reason in my life, that moment of everybody seeing me not being able to open a locked door is like, I hated it. I freaking like, it's just the weirdest thing. I don't like people looking at me. I'm kind of an introvert. Sure, sure. Um, and so moments like that were a lot of attention on me and I'm not able to do something. So... I started playing with that a couple of years ago. I was like, I hate this feeling. I don't like people looking at me. I don't like looking like I'm not capable of doing something. So I started going to the Apple store at 901 and I would force myself. All the lights are on, everybody's still in there doing checkout, you know what I mean? Do the old door jiggle like, and I just put myself in an uncomfortable situation because I needed to get over that uncomfortable feeling mm -hmm. of people seeing me struggle. Yeah. I don't like people seeing me struggle, I hate it. Um, and so I forced myself to start doing those things. And man, I'm telling you, like, they're the dumbest little things, but 
to me, that's personal development. Yeah. That's figuring out what triggers me, what makes me uncomfortable, and figuring out how to just get over it. Yeah, I think it's it's those uncomfortable moments, the fears, the insecurities, when we lean into those and we master them or, or get to a place where they don't master us anymore, that's right. when we have freedom. Yeah. We have power. I've done that my whole life. Uh, for me, I tell the story all the time about how I was terrified to talk to girls. Yeah. All the way through high school. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until my junior year, going into the summer of my junior year, I said to myself, I'm no longer gonna be afraid of talking to girls. Right. I don't care if they all say no to me and they all reject me, I just don't wanna be afraid of it right. anymore. So I get, made a, a challenge for myself that whole summer. I said, anytime I see a girl that gives me butterflies, that's like a little attractive, I'm like, dang, you know butterflies yeah. where you're nervous and you're scared and you mm -hmm. wanna run? I was like, I need to run towards them. And so every day, it didn't matter if I was like at the gym or grocery store or down the street, I would walk up to the girls that terrified me the most. In the first couple of weeks, I'm just stuttering and stumbling right, and right. getting laughed at and girls walking away thinking I'm crazy. But then it's like you build the confidence over and over again I remember at the end of the summer, I, was t I would go up to groups of like 20 women, 30-year-old yeah. women, and be yep. like flirting with them and having fun. And I was just like, I don't even care. Yeah. Who cares? Dude, that's, that's it though, because here's the deal. You told yourself, I want to do something. I want to get good at something, but that's where most people stop. Mm -hmm. They say, I want to get good at this, or I don't want to have that problem anymore. And then they just, they hope that thinking it is going to make yeah. the problem go away. You have to set little action items. And this is something that I've, I live my whole life by this. So I'm a pilot. I fly airplanes, helicopters, all kinds of stuff. Part of flying is you have a checklist. And when you get in the airplane, hit this switch first, hit that switch next, twist this, bop that, do all these different things. And it's in a very like uh, strategic order. And the reason why it's in that order is because if you miss one of those items, you could potentially crash and die. Mm. So you have to follow this small checklist. And it's not like you're doing big things all at once. You're doing small little things, which ultimately end up putting you in a position where, okay, plane's safe to fly, I'm comfortable, everything, we're ready to go. That's how life is, dude. Everybody starts thinking about all these big picture goals and things that they want to do. And I found that a lot of people just weren't getting there because they didn't mm -hmm. know where to start. Mm -hmm. So we started a podcast called The Heavy Checklist. And mm, it's just about cool. checklist items. It's little things that you need to start implementing today and tomorrow and next week to be able to not be afraid of girls, to be able to yeah. <laughs> not have that social anxiety of, right, of right, right. you know getting caught by everybody at the Apple store when the door's locked. Don't just say those big picture things though. Give yourself small little items. Checklist. That's why I love you. You said like, okay, I'm just gonna go out and approach girls. Yeah. If you hadn't said Every that, day. how would you have not been afraid of girls? Yeah, you I would have been thinking, how do I do this? Yeah, but you gotta practice it over and right. over again. Yeah. And it's about the immersion of it. For me, it's about the immersion. I was also terrified of salsa dancing. I lived above a jazz club when I was like 22, 23. And every week they would have salsa, uh, salsa dancing once a why week. Why salsa dancing? Well, because when I lived above this jazz club, they would have like jazz bands playing yeah. downstairs. But then once a week, they would bring salsa dancers. You're from Ohio. From Ohio. Was this in Ohio? It's Columbus, Ohio, man. <laughs> Middle of Ohio. And all the Latinos would come out and dance. It was yeah. like their, their night to come out and dance. And there'd be a live salsa band. It was amazing. So I would go downstairs and watch this. And How old are you? the only At white dude, I was 22, 23. I'm the only white dude there, essentially. And you're six. Six four. four, I'm standing like a foot taller than everyone, right? <laughs> and I'm mesmerized by these these guys who are just twirling these girls and making them, it just looked incredible. I was just right. blown away yeah. by how confident, how smooth, how it's just like they're making, it was unreal. I think that's what it's about. I think that's why, so to me, I've watched salsa dancing as, uh, as well, and I spent a lot of time in Latin America, Brazil, all uh -huh, over South America. Yeah. The men are very confident. And it comes across in the way that they, they move they and are. do things. And that's the, the salsa is. It's just confidence. If you have 
control of your body, the movement, and you can flow and you yep. can listen to music, it's another level of confidence. Absolutely. I can go anywhere in the world and not speak the language, but if I find a salsa club, You're I can dance with the best dancers there. Dude, that is wild. I would and, have never guess that. I never have you. to speak. Yeah. So I've been dancing for like 15, over 15 years now. Really? Yeah, and I've gone all over the world traveling just to salsa dance. Like there's a professional salsa? There's like, an, there's like salsa clubs. Like an unspoken, you're on this level of there, salsa Yes, dancing. if you're like, if you go to a club, I mean, I get rejected a lot. When I go to a new country or a new, yeah. new club that no one knows who I am, right. and they see a tall white dude who like, doesn't nah. speak the language, what I do for myself, because I'll still get intimidated, especially if it's a new place and I don't know anyone, I'll go and watch the first song and see who's the best female dancer. And then I'll go right up to them afterwards. Get out of here. More than 50% of the time I get rejected. Yeah. And it's still nerve wracking, but right. I'm like, I need that. Yeah. Because I am a confident dancer and I can dance with the best of them. Right. Um, but if everybody said yes, you, it, it, it wouldn't be as much fun anymore. It wouldn't be as fun. So it's like, it still gives me a challenge. Like, ah, like no one knows who I am here. You right. know, yeah. I'm just tall. I'm like the one they don't think you can dance. Yeah. So I have to kind of prove to myself oh, and to them. That. And so what I'll do is I'll finally find someone who will say yes. Sometimes like four or five girls will reject me. Yeah. Just because they don't know me, I don't speak mm -hmm. the link, whatever. And then finally, someone will say yes to me, and I will take them right to the best dancer and dance right next to them. Isn't that the greatest feeling? Until in the they world? come back yep. and ask me later, and I'm yep. like, I'm good, thanks. How do you how do you do, <laughs> dude, how do you how do you respond when people tell you that you can't do something or it's just not possible? Uh, are, you, are you the type where you're like, I'm gonna past, prove it? Yeah, in the past, I used to I had to prove everyone wrong. Right about everything. So I would hurt myself just to make a point. Yeah. Now I only do it to prove to myself, mm -hmm. not to anyone else. I don't feel like you have a lot of haters. Is there a lot of Lewis Howes haters out there? I haven't seen a lot of like negative comments on your posts. I don't see many. You're a no. likable guy. I, I just try to not make it all about me. I try to make it about who I'm interviewing. Yeah, it makes sense. So I try to facilitate conversations and not be the conversation. Right. And you're not polarizing at all, so. I try not to talk about politics, right. about these other things. So sometimes I say stuff that people don't like and they have an opinion. And I just say that I'm always looking to improve. I'm not perfect. And right. I'm always looking to get the best out of people. You'd be a great mediator. You know, I've, I've been in court-ordered mediation for lawsuits sure, and sure. stuff in business. And mediator's funny, man. It's somebody who, like, even though you may see one side of the story is better than the other, mm -hmm. or somebody's clearly right or wrong, you have to be able to like stay biased enough to be able to get that conversation going. You're very good at that. Managing so. energy. Yeah, absolutely. The whole thing and understanding people. I'm curious, um, what is the biggest, it sounds like you've overcome a lot yeah. of insecurities, of you've done all these challenges for yourself, you get up, you do the, the painful ice baths, you do these other things. What is the biggest fear you still have yet to conquer? Man, I'm not afraid of much. Honestly, like, I have so much confidence in myself that I don't really, dude, honestly, I'm not afraid of anything. You know what my fear is? Crabs. Crabs? I don't like crabs. I don't like how they can run sideways fast. <laughs> it's weird, right? They're, they're weird. I don't like uh, deep, dark water. Oh, that's um, scary. I love water and that kind of stuff, but like, you picture dive? I do, and I don't mind that, but my 20, biggest 30 fear. 30 feet under, but not like. Swimming in a harbor late at night. <laughs> Go to oh, go to go to, see. go to Long Beach, Port Long Beach down there, and swim near a no, pier. No. Not a chance, dude. No, I you don't know what's that. underneath you. That's ah. my thing. I, dude, for some reason, <laughs> I hate things touching my feet. But, dude, <laughs> other than that, like, I'm not afraid of much simply because I've proven to myself over the years that if I want to do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to yeah. figure it out. And what doesn't matter whether I'm meant to do that thing or whether I'm talented enough to do it, I'm going to figure it out. So, man, honestly, for me, and especially now that I've become a dad, you know, um, my, I got an eight-year-old daughter. I got a five-year-old son and a two-year-old son. My biggest fear now is missing 
them growing up. Mm. You know, I don't want to be 10 years from now thinking, oh no, my daughter's 18. Like what, where'd the last 10 years go? So man, priorities change once you have a family. Because when did you have your first kid? How old are you? Uh, I was 26. Wow. And when did you get married? When I was 25. So we got pregnant pretty much right after. So Utah's a different world, right? Yeah, you get married quick. Um, I met my wife at church. We're we're part of the Mormon church is what everybody calls it. Um, uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And uh, it's pretty common for young people to meet each other at what we call singles awards. So you go there and a bunch of single dudes and a bunch of single girls. And it's the greatest, dude, because first, Mormon girls are super hot. Like, I don't know if you've ever been to Utah, but (laughs) Utah is full of beautiful women because we live by this culture that makes you take care of yourself. Right. You don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't do drugs, you don't True. have uh, premarital sleep, sex, you yeah. don't have, yeah, so people are clean, they're well taken care of, they've got good work ethic. And so, man, you, like the pickings are, are, are very- <laughs> They're not slim. Yeah, no, they're not slim. And so I met my wife, uh, she was nine, no, she was 21, I was 25, 26, and uh, we were engaged for a year, which is a pretty long engagement in Utah. Mm. Most, yeah, most usually get, three yeah, months. Yeah, you're three months and married. Uh, we got married and, Six months later, found out she was pregnant. Wow. Um, and it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. We weren't preventing it or anything. And then uh, we had our little girl, Charlie. And, dude, that's when things changed, man. Like, So you're 20. How old when you had your first kid? 26 or 27. And you're how old now? 34, 35. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And, in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. Like when you're trying to buy tickets for the best seat at your favorite team's big game, or when you're hiring for your business and you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. With ZipRecruiter, you can find qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com greatness. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I believe finding the right team member is one of the most important steps in setting up my company 
for success. We like to ensure our new hires will be a good fit before they're even on the team. So I am grateful that I have ZipRecruiter's help when we want to grow the team fast. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Did you, how hard has it been in the last 10 years to keep your mind focused on your wife and stay committed with the success? Because yeah. you weren't this big, you know, TV nah, star, dude. social media star back then. But now with TV, with opportunity, Monster Jam, all these different things, how do you focus your mind on wife and kids and not allow yourself to get distracted with the shiny objects of other people? So the first five years of our marriage, honestly, man, uh, I give 100%, 110% of the credit to my wife. Had she not been the perfect person that she is, like just patient with me, and I think she <laughs> saw the potential, right? She, she's like, this is a good guy. He's got a good heart. He's got good ambition. I'm just gonna go on this wild ride with him. And she put up with a lot of nonsense. Like, really? not crazy, but just like, I'll work 14, 15, 16 hour days. Mm -hmm. And that was normal for a long time. And so she was patient, but as I started to become successful and I continued to see this woman by my side, just my ultimate cheerleader, I was like, okay, I got something here. Like this woman is very important. She's very, like, she is my support system. Mm -hmm. And she's never, ever, ever told me no. And she's never told me that I can't do something, wow. which, is really great but also as you become successful now when she says things like hey um i want to take the family on a trip to the moon <laughs> I, I can't be like oh babe that's not possible i can't do that because she knows who i am she knows my capabilities and she's like you're dave you can do whatever you want like she knows that i can accomplish things so she sometimes has more confidence in me wow than i even do myself and i'm a confident guy like, yeah. that's, it's <laughs> like I, I know that i can do whatever i put my mind to so having a woman by your side like that is Man, I, I, dude, I'd be lost. I'd be, a, I'd be, wow. I would be nothing. Now, in, in the Mormon faith, there's typically no, it's really bad to cheat, right? There's not like, once you're married, you're focused. It's very, you don't it's, see much of it. No, nah, man, Utah, it's, right? it, infidelity is. It's a big no-no. It's a big no-no, and I think it isn't like just across the board, of right? Of course, you but know, even more so in the religion. It's, it's faith, a no-no. Right? Yeah, no, premarital sex, you're not supposed to be involved in. You're supposed to get uh -huh. married. You're supposed to like be faithful to that person because, you know, that's, not just from a faith standpoint, but just look at life. Yeah, what energy. happens when yeah, when yeah. you're wasting energy on other people? Uh, and so having her by my side, I'm lucky because she's a beautiful, beautiful girl. Yeah, so yeah. temptation, you know, it's always out there, but I compare everybody to this beautiful woman Mom who's show. at home yeah, with yeah. my kids and she's beautiful. Like, yeah. I'm very fortunate that way. So it's never been- So you've never been tempted? you never had to like struggle? It's never been a huge issue for me. No, because I mean, granted we are successful, right? We're in the public eye a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, social media, TV, all yeah, this stuff. Yeah. But I think I live my life in a way where people just know that I love my wife and because I put her 
uh, as a big part of what I do and who I am. Yeah. And so people know, like, when we go to, you know, public meet and greets or something like that, a lot of people will say, where's Ashley? Is she here? Can I get a picture with her? And if she's there, <laughs> she'll her. jump in. And yeah, they're, they're there for her. And she's got a couple hundred thousand followers on, on Instagram. Wow. People know everything she does. They know my kids' schedules. They know where they're going next. <laughs> and they scary. love it. Yeah, it's kind of weird. And that's one thing that I was never really prepared now for you when you become a, famous. A yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. You just got to be more careful. But people love real life. Yeah. They love relatable, right? Yeah. I think that's why people like you so much is because you're a relatable guy. Like, yeah. you're not from some big wealthy family right. where you had things handed to you. And you're not some, you know, starred in some movie and that's why you're famous. Like, you're just a guy who made it on the come up and you you, you grind it all the way along. Yeah, and people are like, you know what? I think that's why I like talking to you because right. it's you're just a guy that you've done a lot of the same things that I had to do mm-hmm. to get to where you're at. And yeah. that's why your podcast is so successful because people are pulling from that the confidence that they might not have in themselves at the mm-hmm. time to be able to get through that hurdle or the obstacle that they're working yeah. on. You just use your hands in other ways and like making things. I was an athlete using yeah. them, like catching balls and right. grinding it out on the football field or the basketball court. I'm curious about who the most influential person in your life was growing up and the biggest lesson they taught you that you still hold on to today? Man, uh, my dad. So my dad uh, died 12 years ago from a brain tumor. This man, so he, <laughs> man, he's just an incredible story. Like his, his, his life should be a movie. He, when I was born, uh, he was a Green Beret. So he was wow. like in the top one percentile of the US uh, military as far as fitness goes. The dude was just, just a machine. And right as soon as I was born, I'm the last kid of four, he got diagnosed with a brain tumor. And I was like three weeks old when the doctors told him, like, you're done, dude. Like, this is it. Um, say goodbye to your kid. And so he actually wow. made a video, a VHS tape. No way. That him and my wife, him and my mom recorded saying goodbye to the kids. 34 years ago. Yeah, yeah. You got to think I'm three weeks old. I don't know. I have never met the guy. And so they're giving me an opportunity to, uh, to know who he was as I've grown up. But... In our church, we have what's called the, the priesthood, right? Um, and men in the church have the priesthood. And with that priesthood, they have the ability to give blessings to other people, blessings of comfort, blessings of health, blessings of whatever you need at that time. Um, literally, the, the, the man will put his hands on your head and, and basically sure. pray and bestow <clears throat> blessings on you. So my dad got a blessing that basically said, you're going to be okay and you're going to live to see your kids grow up. And you got to realize, when my dad got that blessing, it's like it was almost an insult because the doctors and everybody had said, you're done. See you later. He had a, a, a tennis ball sized tumor in the side of his head. And so when my mom heard that, she kind of was like, that's not okay. Like, that's not cool. Why would you say like, that? Don't lie to him. Don't give us weird false hope. Wow. And uh, three weeks later, the tumor just was gone. No way. Yeah. They removed the, they removed this lateral lobe. So he always had this dent in his head. Mm-hmm. And the doctors were like, we're just going to get the big chunk of the tumor out. So his quality of life as he dies will be better. So it's not a huge thing pushing on his brain. Gone. Wow. And so... That's kind of a weird thing, right? When you're supposed to die and then you don't. And so with that happening, he got a late start in life. He was 35 when he decided to go to college. And so I'm, you know, five, six, seven years old. My dad's delivering pizzas um, to make ends meet. No way. (laughs) He delivered pizzas and installed car stereos. In Utah? Yeah. Yep. And then as he was recovering from being sick, he would have chemotherapy and stuff like that. And he would still have downtime. And so when he was at the hospital recovering my mom would then go out and install those car stereos like under freeway overpasses and uh deliver the pizzas and so i'm growing up watching these two people that like odds are stacked against them and they just don't complain don't like i never knew that we had it rough i thought everybody's parents made their pants for school like i just thought that was Mm -hmm. a thing Mm -hmm. and so learning from my parents as they went through hard times knowing that 
everything's going to be okay regardless. Like even I, our whole family lived in a VW bus for eight weeks. Really? While you know, we were basically homeless. Two parents, a sick dad, and four young kids. And we didn't know any better. I just thought that was life. Mm -hmm. So growing up, I saw my dad just get knocked down over and over and over again. He graduated, you know, um, college, got his degree, went and got this job. Everything was great. Family was doing great. This age is like eight to 15, 16. Mm -hmm. Life's good, right? Finally, like family has extra money. We bought a trampoline. Yeah. I remember yeah. buying a trampoline and thinking that was like, you're like the king. Yeah, yeah. dude. Growing up having a trampoline was a big deal. 15, 16 years old. My dad has a stroke, gets knocked down again. And then from there until he died when I was 21, it was like, as soon as he'd get back on his feet, as soon as, soon as things would be going good, bam, get knocked down again. Really? And I never saw him complain. I never saw him get upset. He was always just, he would just take it with humor. And so that's a big part of my life is huh. humor is, that's a good way to cope with things and deal with yeah, things. Like at my dad's funeral, we were telling like dirty jokes. Yeah, as I was giving <laughs> you know, the talk. Yeah, <laughs> people were loving it because that's my dad's life. You celebrated yeah. it. So definitely my dad and my mom, um, very, very hard workers. I was taught to work from an early, I didn't know that there was another option. I didn't know that, like, did you get an allowance growing up? No. I saw a friend get an allowance like sophomore year and I was like, hold on. So your like parents just week, give you money? money? For like well, how does that, I'm the kid that's getting free lunch at school. Like I'm wearing these, these hand-me-down pants that my mom made for my brother. Like yeah. I just didn't know any better. So I'm super grateful for that though. And let me tell you, actually, you know, go back to my biggest fear of raising my kids, right? I'm, I'm well-to-do now. I do okay. Yeah, like, yeah. I've done really well. And now my kids don't have to worry about the same stuff that I had so to worry about. How do about. you teach them how to have adversity when Dude, they have comfort? How do you teach them how to appreciate like the the you know what they house have. you have this right. you, you can fly a plane you can do this it's like what do they how do you train them my daughter goes to she went to school one day and she was talking about the weekend trip that we took down the lake in the helicopter and she's talking to the kids she's talking to the girl <laughs> next to her she's like wait so you guys don't take a you guys don't fly to lake powell in the helicopter and her little friend's like i've never seen a helicopter wow. and my my daughter was like such a big like turning point for her and for us as a family when i heard that story i was like okay hold on <laughs> reality <laughs> check we got to teach these yeah. little kids like what real life is about. And so that is honestly one of the biggest uh, things that I focus on, trying to make sure that we're grateful for what we have and teaching mm -hmm. my kids that nothing is, um, nothing is just, you know, uh, handed to you. You yeah. can't just, you can't just live your life. Um, you got to appreciate what you got. Yeah. Not just expecting the comfort, exactly. the luxuries. Exactly. Cause it's so hard. I mean, how do you teach them to have a hard work ethic? So is it just more focused on like schoolwork and, Extracurricular you know, activities. That's, that's the biggest thing. So yeah. we've been given a lot. And so with those tools, I'm going to use them. To, I'm going to hold her to a way higher standard now than I would hold another kid because she has all the resources at her fingertips. Everything. And so now she has to perform you need to be higher. <laughs> exactly. And better. And you have to learn things. You have to do hard things. And so rather than having to like save up her money for that toy or those new pair of shoes like right. I had to, right. she has to, she has to learn how to like you know, master musical instrument or just right. things where something she's been learning language. Yeah. Or <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You're going to send them on a Mormon trip when they're 12, not 18. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's, you're dude, going to Mexico. Yeah. Biggest turning point in my life is my, my mission. 19 really? years you old. You went to Mexico or where'd you go? Uh, Bolivia. Bolivia. Yeah. So. 19, two years. It's almost every Mormon does this, right? Yeah, the boys go two years, girls go 18 months. And, uh, basically you tell them that you want to go surf and the, you know, church officials basically so you take your information. You have to tell them you want to go serve. You, submit, you do what's called your papers. So you submit your mission papers. You say, this is who I am. These are my skills. This is what I do. I said I learned, uh, you know, Spanish in, in 
junior high and high school. You were Here fluent? You uh, no. But you like learned the basics. I knew the basics, and I was probably a little bit ahead of my class. Because um, you're working with kids, you're working at an auto shop. And yeah, yeah, like that. yeah. That's the thing. Like, I was by no means fluent, but I was a really smart kid growing up. Like, everybody in my family is really, really smart. Yeah. So I just learned things quicker. So I send in these documents to the church officials, and I say, um, I'm ready to go. Tell me where to go. Six weeks later, you get what's called your mission call. And you don't know where you're going. You have no idea. You could, really? I, could, I could literally go to Boise, Idaho, or I could be sent to Timbuktu. You don't know. And you have no, you can't tell them where you want to go. Is that intentional for them? Like, yeah, to, that's, to that's, not know? You like, do, to kind of surrender to the process, yep. trust. That's the whole point. The lesson's going to be you're, part you're of You're leaving you. everything for two years. You have to be 100% committed. So as a missionary, you don't talk to girls. You don't touch girls. You don't hold hands. You have no relationships. So I, I had a girlfriend so in high school. You have to break up? Basically, yeah. You call, you, it's basically, uh, yeah. What if you're married? You don't get married. If you're married, you can't go on a mission. Really? You can, they can do what's called couples missions. So me and my wife together. in 5, 10, 20 years from now, we can go together and serve. But you have to be single. You can't have kids. You can't have any sort of commitments like that. And they ship you out to wherever the church needs you. And so they pray about, you know, who you are, what your skills are. And my mission call came back and said, you got to go to Santa Cruz, Bolivia. And I thought, Bolivia, that's awesome. That's right next to like Russia, right? I thought it was, I had no idea that was in <laughs> right, Europe. Right, right, right. And so I get shipped down in the middle of the Amazon jungle, dude. Um, not knowing anything about anything. I'm 19 years old, dude. I'd never, I'd only had a couple like real jobs even up until that point. Right, right, right. Um, left my girlfriend, left all my everything. And as a missionary, one of the craziest things is you have to have a companion with you at all times. It's called your mission companion. Another, another guy. Yeah, you cannot like. <clears throat> think go solo anywhere. Dude, you can't like, I have to be visually within sight of this person. The whole time. For two years, you can't be alone. You're in the same room, sleeping Everything. in bunk beds or next to each other. The only time that I ever saw like, Maybe in the Nobody bathroom. around, yeah, when I'm showering. That was literally it. So, uh, Why is that? Is that for safety reasons? Is yeah, that for... it's because it's, there's a lot of temptation out there, obviously. Sure. Um, keeping each other accountable. Safety. And yeah, exactly. Like you, when you get sent out on your mission, yeah. you par, par, uh, partner with a senior missionary, somebody who's been out a year or so. And they basically show you the ropes. They show you what the neighborhood is, who the people are, what you're teaching. Um, and so I get dropped into this middle of South America country. So he not, had been there for a year, and then after his two years was up, then you were doing that for someone else. You, you get a new companion uh, every year. six months. Oh, wow. No, 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 every six weeks. It's called a... a it's rotating. Uh, yeah, it's called a... a in Spanish is cambio. It's a transfer, a change. Wow. Basically, but you can stay with the same companion for, you know, two, three, four, five changes at a time. But it's pretty uncommon to stay with somebody for more than two or three wow. of the six-week periods. So anyways, you're... you're my you're first always companion, learning new people. You always connect. Dude, he was like a 26-year-old, a uh, little Peruvian guy who had never really dealt with you know Americans, and so he was warming guy. Yeah, yeah, all, yeah, yeah, from all over the world. Uh, wow. They get shipped out there. So basically, I get dropped into this third-world country, not knowing anything about the culture, not knowing anything about it, and I just basically went and said, "All right, uh, I'm going to become part of this culture. I'm going to learn everything I can about it, and I'm just going to let myself basically uh, become." just a total servant of the Lord, right? Go out and teach the gospel, help people serve, and just do everything I can to learn. And dude, that's why Mormon missionaries, return missionaries, and the younger LDS people in general are really good workers. They are, the man. work ethic, dude, the workforce in Utah is incredible. Yeah. You can pick up a 21-year-old kid who ha who's he's like responsible, doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, knows two languages. Like it's, it's been door-to-door -door sales essentially exactly. for two years. Yep. It's wild. It is wild. So uh, best moment of my life, obviously, uh, they call it the best two years because 
without those, dude, I don't think I would have learned the self-control, the self-discipline, mm. and more importantly, the love for other people. Like at 19 years old, who are you focused on? Yourself, right? Yeah. Like all you care about is just going out and get the girl, taking care the of yourself. Get the yeah, girl, yeah. get the get the car, get the the money. Yeah. Dude, you don't you lose all that stuff for two years. You don't have any money. You don't have a car. They give you like a stipend for food or your family pays basically into this fund. And every two weeks you get like for me it was like yeah, a couple hundred bucks. Not extra, no extra cash. And you're just going door to door teaching serving. people, serving a hundred percent service. You're not worried about yourself at all. What was the greatest thing that you learned from those two years that you still apply today? to love other people, especially other cultures. Man, I love, love, love the Latino culture. Like yeah. obviously you've got a good connection yeah, yeah. with it with, with um, Jeanette. I learned to love those people because it's a very different world down there. Different man. It is a completely different, uh, everything about Latin America is different than America. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's a lot of misconceptions and I wish everybody here in the States could go just experience a little bit of time down there and understand how much Latino people really love each other, Love how each accepting other. they are. Like we would show up people's homes and They'd give you anything, anything. I'm talking grass shacks in the middle of the Amazon jungle. These people have you. maybe they, th th this family, I think the average uh, income for family down there was like 50 bucks a month. They have nothing, but they will give you literally everything that they have crazy. and then some. And so I learned like, wow, like these people have no connection to me. Why are they so open? But they don't just do it for me. They do it for their neighbor. They do it for everybody. So I learned that it's okay to love other people like more than what you might've been taught was okay. As you're growing up and, and American culture is like, you know, don't, don't brush against me. Still, you know, keep, yeah, yeah. give me my little space. Don't touch me. Don't hug me. Right. They're it's, kissy. They're huggy. Yeah. It's okay to do that. It's okay to show other people that you love them. And Latinos are the best at it because my wife, it's so funny. My wife met um, Jeanette yeah. at uh, Monster Jam. And she's like kissing her. And yes. Like, so, she's like, oh. so <laughs> she, she went in and she, she, she went to say something like, uh, what's your name to Ashley, to my wife? Um, and she kissed Ashley, her, right? Ashley says, Ashley. And she thought that Jeanette didn't understand her. She didn't hear her so because Jeanette went in for the kiss. Like, like, like no, Ashley, Ashley. And Ashley goes in there, she's like, Ashley. And it's just like, <laughs> we're not used to it, but it's so good, dude. It's so, it's so good to be able to show people that you care about them. Yeah. And that's why I love that culture. And that's why I'm a big advocate for, um, you know, fixing the immigration problems that we have uh -huh. here in the country. And um, that's cool, man. Man, every time, every time I go to an event, um, like Monster Jam, it's I'll speak English Latinos. and Spanish. Yeah. I have a tremendous Latino support group wow, I'm following huge. because they know that I love them just like they love me. That's cool. It's, it, dude, it's been the best thing that's ever happened to me. Dude, what, um, now Mormons in general don't drink, is that right? Or once you're married and you're older, you're allowed to drink, it's no We, we live by what's called the Word of Wisdom. Um, and the Word of Wisdom is basically a gospel principle that we're taught from a very young age. Um, no tobacco, no alcohol, no coffee, no tea, no drugs. No coffee, no tea, even like non-caffeinated tea? Uh, non-caffeinated tea is fine. Herbal There's tea, no that kind of stuff. Yeah, basically, and it's not even necessarily, they, they never came out and said no caffeine. Mm -hmm. Although the, the law is kind of written. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I drink energy drinks. So yeah. I, I, you know, I do that. I've never tasted alcohol. Yeah. I've never smoked a cigarette. I've never, you know, done any of that stuff because yeah. growing up, I knew that that just, I wasn't supposed to do it. And so I stayed yeah. away from it. And so great. you'll find in the LDS culture, like I said, healthy people. Sure. Because it's not... You don't drink, right? I've never been drunk or high in that's my life. And you're not LDS. For a non-Mormon, that's pretty... Dude, I thought you were Mormon when I first started reading your stuff and hearing your podcast. <laughs> he's too clean. I was like, this guy, that, he's got to be LDS. Or maybe he's like just yeah. drifted away. Like, well, I you... think my parents never drank or smoked. 
So there was never like a thing to look at. Right. My brother went to prison when I was eight for selling drugs to an undercover cop. Wow. My sisters drank a little bit and smoked a little weed and cigarettes here and there, but it wasn't like that prominent. But I remember when I would go to the prison every weekend to visit my brother because it was kind of visiting room right. hours you could yeah. go to. So we would all go. And I think that kind of just scared me a lot. It was How just much like, older was he? He was 11 years older, so he was 19 when he went in. So when you went into your mission, he was in prison for four and a half years. So you learned really quick what I learned to do. I learned quick by just being there and yeah. seeing all the other convicts and their families and how much pain you didn't want that. The people were in from just, you know, selling a little bit of LSD on the side. Yeah. It's just like, why even tempt myself? Why even like flirt with it? Even if it's fun, it was just like, it's not for me. Right. I don't care if other people do it as yeah. long as they're responsible and they, you know, they don't get sick or whatever. But right. it just, it was never for me. So I was the only guy on my football team that didn't drink. That's impressive. And I would go out and party with them, and I would just have water, and you know, it's it's crazy, man. That's been the or weirdest sprite, thing about. You know, it's like yeah, I'll go to these meetings. You know, obviously, uh, in this business, you meet a lot of alcohol, people. That, yeah, smoking, yeah. And so we'll go to dinner, and they'll be like, "All right, you know, I've already ordered their drinks, and I'm the guy that's ordering, uh, you water, know, sprite or yeah, whatever." Water, it is. <laughs> exactly. Like, but my thing is like, what's your craziest lemonade? Give me the yeah, one exactly. with like the, the crazy fruit around the rim, and and that's just that's not just me. That's all my partners and everybody in the business. Like, they that's just Utah. grew up that way. That's yeah, that's Utah. Yeah, that's that's the LDS culture, and. I mean, LES people have always been really good. All kind, loving, caring, we learn how to work giving. At a young age, we learn that it's okay to love other people, and that we should like love other people more than more than society teaches us. Mm -hmm. And we learn, obviously, very healthy lifestyle. It's amazing. Don't man. drink, don't smoke. Follow that word of wisdom that I'm telling you about. And it's amazing. And look at me. I'm. I, I feel great. I'm healthy a healthy fit. person. Yeah. yeah. I, I. I've been very blessed, and I don't have to do much to take like as far as like workouts and stuff like that. I do work out, but there's a lot of times with my schedule where I don't have the opportunity. I know that God's given me this healthy body because I follow those rules. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. That's great, man. And I, I've, I live my life by that. I say, obviously very deeply religious person. Um, and it doesn't even matter if you're religious or not. I think there's people who listen to this who may not have a God. They may not have that being that they report to or they, yeah. they're accountable to. Whatever you have that that drives you, if, it's, if you're religious and you have that God or, or if it's the universe, Best advice I can give anybody is make deals with them. Make deals with God, make deals with the universe. And what I mean by that is, I'll do this, you give me that. And that's how I met my wife, man. I was, I was 26 years old and in Utah, that's old being single. I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12 pack head to amazon and use promo code 20 pure leaf that's promo code 20 p-u-r-e-l-e-a-f for 20 percent off this show is sponsored by better help i've learned the hard way that constantly holding on to your emotions and repeatedly choosing to not talk about your feelings will only make you feel worse and worse and up until about 10 or 11 years ago i was afraid to talk about my trauma that i experienced and i know we all carry around different stressors big and small and when we keep them bottled up it can start to affect us negatively but therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down and if you're thinking of starting therapy give better help a 
try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lewis today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-E-W-I-S. And I was just ready to be done. I dated with all what? the cute... Oh, I, yeah. yeah, the dating scene. I was just, I was, didn't want to be single anymore. I wanted to start my family. And so I told God, I made him a promise. I said, God, here's what I'm going to do. I know, that, I know what I'm supposed to be doing at this age. I'm supposed to be going to church. I'm supposed to be helping other people. And so I made this <laughs> list, basically just a contract. I said, God, I'm going to do these things. If you'll, in turn, put this girl on my path and let me get married. I'm tired of being single. Wow. I was two weeks into that deal when my wife popped up. Like instant. Wow. I don't care if you if that's your relationship with God or the power the of universe. manifestation, yeah. law of attraction. It's real. I just think like intention is a powerful thing. You know, whether you're making the intention or the commitment to God, the universe, but just intention for yourself and your own soul. When you say, I'm intending to follow through on these commitments, yep. you're gonna start to see things opening up in a different way. Hundred percent, because it changes everything about what you do, you yeah. start you start making subtle little changes, working towards a goal that you normally wouldn't be able to make it unless you had that that vision or that goal. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm big on small things. I'm I hate when people talk big picture and you know what's the people come to me and say what's the best advice you can give anybody, and I'm like you got a day, you got two days, like we, we, this is this right, is gonna be a long right, list. Right, right, right. There's no magic button. There's no magic word that is going to make you successful or make you happy. It's all these small little things. In sports, we call that the fundamentals. Right. It's just like going back to the basics yep. of dribbling, shooting, our position, like right. whatever it may be, it's the fundamentals. I it's, wish our schools would teach this, though, to like the I younger know. kids. I wish my, my daughter had a class where they taught her how to make a vision board. Right. Like, you know, things where it's like setting these goals at an early age. Instead, she's learning, you know, they're learning how to play hot cross buns on a recorder. Like, it's right, just right, the, the right, stupid right. stuff that... Um, it, you're not kids are, the schools are never going to put that they're never going to implement yeah. it so do it at home if you're mm-hmm. a parent teach your kids and your family that if you're not if you're still single work on yourself yeah make that vision board so you know though these are like cliche words that you hear in this world is vision board and manifestation and, power and law of attraction well they're 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 overused because they're real because they work yeah they're, they're powerful <laughs> things that you can do today and tomorrow to make your life better and make yourself happier uh, I'm curious what is the What's the thing you're most ashamed of that you've done that you really don't want people to know about you or that you're just like, I wish I would have never thought that, said that, done that. The thing you don't want people to know about you. That is a very good question, man. Um, Seems like you follow a lot of the the rules to yourself and the religion and your great dad and husband. I would say that there's been times in my life where I've been ignorant to... um, the importance of certain rules um, in my business, the automotive world, there's emissions laws. Um, there's things that you're supposed to do to vehicles and things that you're not supposed to do to vehicles. And I think there was a, there was a while there where all I cared about was doing what I enjoyed to do at that time. And I, I was less concerned about what the overall effect was. And we would modify vehicles. Um, and this is a very specific example, but 
it applies to pretty much every part of my life where I maybe thought the overall rules didn't apply to me and I had my mm. own little program, but we'd model cut by vehicles and it would create, you know, a huge amount of smoke and it would, it would affect mm. the air quality where I lived. And so things like that, um, I look back and I'm like, man, that was It was dumb. more for selfish reasons. Or yeah, it was so, so, I, I didn't care it. about anybody around me. All I cared about was what I was enjoying in that moment, what my vehicle was doing for me. And, and I could care less if I was polluting or whatever it was. And like I said, that applies to a lot of different things. I, I think, you know, just not being aware of other people's feelings. Mm. I'm a very, you know, focused person. When I get set on what I want, I go for it. Well, the problem with that is there's casualties along the way, like people that are like a victim of your being just oblivious. I'm not a bad person. I've never maliciously, you know, tried to hurt anybody. I don't have that kind of energy. Yeah. But along the way, there's been things that I've just overlooked that I should have paid more attention to. My partner, um, we call him Diesel Dave. He's very intuitive when it comes to like how what he's doing right now is affecting everybody around him. I'm not. I have to work really hard at being able to know like the tail of the dragon is this long, mm -hmm. not this long. And my actions are going to affect people not just today and tomorrow, but long term. And so yeah. that's been my biggest struggle, man, really? throughout life is just making sure that I'm aware of the consequences of what I'm doing and how they're affecting other people. I don't care how they affect me. I don't risk to me is not a real thing. I don't. I don't even take into consideration. I don't know how to calculate risk. People always ask me like, why are you successful? I'm like, because I'm too stupid no, to, yeah, I'm too yeah, stupid I'm to know better. <laughs> right. And so you just go after these things. And so trying to become aware of, of, of how you affect other people, man, that is a big deal. And yeah, it's, it's yeah. hard for somebody like me. What's the thing that's missing in your life to help you get to the next level of all of your dreams? What do you need to learn, acquire, let go of, become more of in order to step into your fullest <laughs> Man, this is, this is, my dad used to call this the shotgun approach. Uh, I would go after a lot of things. Spray I would do this and, this and this and this and this and this. I would do all these things kind of good. It's, it's, <laughs> taking, it's taking your talents and skills and being able to say, okay, you know what? Yes, I can do a lot of things kind of good, but maybe I should take my time and energy and focus on this and that and just mm -hmm. go full speed ahead until I master that area. And that's it, man. That's and I'm, I'm learning that, and it's been so hard, man. But dude, it's opportunities like, everywhere. I mean, I'm the same way. I'm 80% good at so many things. Yeah, and I want to be great at all of them, but it's really hard to put your attention on 20 yep. different things. Yep. And Tony Robbins said this to me last year. I did like a little private uh, mastermind thing with him, where the group of us got to ask him questions. And I was like, man, I've been. I was a decathlete, so I was 80% good at every event right. in track and field, yeah. which made me an All-American decathlete. Mm -hmm. It's the reason I became, I would achieve my dream as an All-American. Because you're almost good at everything. I'm almost great at, yeah, everything, almost great at everything, but I'm really good at a lot of things. Right. And so I transferred that skill into life, mm -hmm. into business. Like, we can do a podcast, we can write books, we can do events, we can do a coaching, we can do courses, we can do a documentary, like, right. we can do merch, we can do all these things really good. Right. But what's the thing that's really gonna take the, the mission to the next level right. of serving the maximum amount of people, right. which is our mission. Yep. And he was like, yeah, you gotta, you know, do you wanna be really good at a lot of things or do you wanna be known great at one great thing? Yeah. And then when you break through it at that thing, you can then kind of spread it a little more. And you've, you've now become aware of what the consequences yeah. are of that 20% that you're not being the best at. Exactly. So if you're not giving 100%, there is still some casualties. There's bystanders, there is. whether they be people or circumstances or whatever's in your or life. just your dreams. Right. You're doing a disservice to your dreams. Dude, so I'm big into motorsports, right? Um, trucks, anything, aircraft, whatever it is. And so when I got to the point where I could actually afford to like 
do some of my like crazy stuff. Yeah, crazy stuff. I went and did everything. I raced this, I raced that. You put it in front of me, I was racing it. And I would go maybe once a year and race trophy trucks and I'd go race semi trucks and I'd go race motorcycles and four wheelers and boats and whatever it was. And I would just go do it because it was an experience. It was but, fun, yeah. Um, I wasn't getting that great at anything. I always thought oh, I'm the best driver in the world. I can show up and, and drive and, and win. Anything, no. I can show up and drive, but I was getting smoked by like 12 year old kids in trophy trucks. And I'm like, what? how'd that happen? I'm the, I'm the best. And I realized that I needed to focus. And so this last couple of years, uh, Monster Jam is a good example. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, driving monster trucks, everybody looks at a guy that, if you say you drive monster trucks for a living, they're expecting you to be like a you know, WWE type person that's uh-huh. just like, you know, beer smash cars and, and, and you know, wear my American flag bandana around. It's not that, man. Like, monster jam, is a, it's become a motorsport that I believe is going to replace the circus and I wow. believe it's going to replace NASCAR. Um, it already is well on its way wow. because it, you combine all those elements of like a big performance in a stadium. Dude, I, I performed in Petco Park in San Diego two nights ago. Packed, it looked like. Sold out. People were like lined up outside trying to get in there. And so I decided I want to become one of the best there is. And so I got into the sport a year and a half ago, showed up, thought, yeah, I'll be fine. My first no. show, I did good. I'm like, told you guys, like I took a first <laughs> in freestyle or whatever it was. There's three yeah, events yeah. in a show. And uh, I was like, I got this. Next event, I just got destroyed. And then I got destroyed for the following 12 to 14 months of, I would do okay here and there. But then I realized like, okay, wait, there's guys that do this every single weekend for years. years. Yeah. Like, of course they're going to be better than me. They have more seat time. They have more experience. And so I wanted to get really good at it. And so you have to pull back a little bit from things that Mm -hmm. maybe seem like a good opportunity or a good idea to be able to get really good at those things that you want to become good at. It doesn't mean that you have to do one of the, like, I can still enjoy all the different types of motorsports, but I don't go compete in anything right now other than monster trucks. And maybe it'll get to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm a champion. Um, I did that, move on to the next. next. But don't hang up your hat until you have 100% mastered that. Mm -hmm. And don't be the, don't, don't let yourself judge whether you've mastered that area of your life or not. Like make sure that people around you, your family, your friends, the industry that you're in, also agrees that you have you have made, made it. it. You've made it. Yeah, we were just talking. Tiffany was just mentioning today about a book, Essentialism, mm. which is about what's the, what's the tagline again? The discipline pursuit of less. The discipline the discipline wow. pursuit of less. I like that. a book called Essentialism. Which who's the guy? Edwin something or McGowan or something? What's the guy's name? Greg. Greg McGowan, I think, is the guy author's name. Dude, that's a powerful. Anyways, the. The, the, yeah, the pursuit of less, which is I mean, going all in on less things right. to maximize that thing. Perfect so, example of your podcast, right? Exactly. Like, so I've been eliminating things mm-hmm. in our business, which is like big money makers, mm-hmm. to have energy and mind space to focus on this. You know, it's building out a production here. There's a brand new set. It's like just trying to go all in on how can we maximize the one thing. Right. Why not screwing ourselves and not having money coming in other places, but really trying to put as much effort into this? You're really screwing yourself in the long run by doing all those things. things. Because, you know, you, yeah. I mean, I look at the numbers of what your podcast does, and I know what that can turn into as far as revenue dollars. It could be huge if I just went all in. You have to focus on it because if you're you're out there doing a mastermind next weekend, you might miss the opportunity to interview Kobe, right? You had that opportunity, that huge interview. What would have happened if you would have been out focusing on something else? that was the only time. Right? Screwed. You you miss those opportunities. Miss them. So you have a lot of influence that listens, right? Oh yeah. So I think that's a big deal as far as people like. What is an influencer? Mm -hmm. Don't call yourself an influencer. Call yourself like figure out what it is that you want to influence people to do. Figure out what that industry is, what that goal is, and work towards that. Don't try to become an influencer because guess what? That 
bubble went like this. Yeah. It's over. The, yeah. the, the, the days of getting 50 grand for a post is just I generic, know. like, I love Coke. Right. Dude, they're gone. It's gone. They, they, like, companies are going to spend money with you. They want to know exactly who you're talking to and mm-hmm. why you're talking to them and why you're the expert in that space. Yeah. So that's the best advice I could give somebody who is a, who is a, trying to become an influencer sure. or a YouTuber or whatever. I, instead of trying to become an influencer, try to become someone of service. Become an expert. Become an expert and then serve people who need that expertise. My whole life revolves around service, man. That's it, man. I'm curious now. You've got this. Um, Tesla just came out with this. I don't even know what the truck's called. Cybertruck? Is that what it's called? Yeah, the Cybertruck. Cybertruck did something like 11, 12 billion in pre-orders. Is that right? Something You're a Tesla called? owner, right? I am a Tesla owner. I love it. You love your Tesla. Model it's X. It's a great experience, great car. Great gets car. you point A to point B, comfortable. Uh, you don't have to worry Electric. about service. I haven't gone to the gas station in two years. Yeah, it's a great experience for you. So yeah. there's a lot of guys like you. A lot of people like you who have had great experiences with Tesla. And now Elon came out and said, I'm going to make a truck. Well, when he released that truck, first of all, I still don't believe that that's real. I still really? don't you still believe. Think you think it's like a PR campaign? Listen, I'm a truck guy, man. I come from, that's my, my life revolves around trucks. I've used them for work. Now I use them for entertainment and uh-huh. uh, it's my living. When he comes out with that. It doesn't I, look like a truck. It's frustrating to me because the Elon <laughs> and Tesla, and that, they're very, very smart people. Elon's uh-huh. one of the brightest men that ever lived. And then they released that. It's the it's the it's the car you drew in kindergarten. Like it just the the they tried way 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 too hard to be different, and they ended up I think really hurting themselves. So here's the deal. Well, they it, got a lot of pre-orders. They did get a lot of pre-orders, but guess what? You know who ordered those? Tesla owners. Yeah. Guys like you. Not truck owners. No. The F one fifty guys, the guys that use their truck at the job right, site, they right. didn't order that truck. Right. I promise you, because that those are my people, and I'm hearing from them. And I, I'm a very I consider myself open-minded for who my demographic is. My demographic is very blue-collar America. Um, you know, it's it's very opinionated. Work, work hard. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I, I like this. I hate that. That's mm. my, my people. It's just very black or white. And so I feel like I'm kind of more on the progressive side of my demographic. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm open to new ideas. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to give the electric truck a chance. Anyone he came out with, I was like, man, that is an ugly truck, but I'm still going to try to maybe support it. But there wasn't a lot of people like me that were going to buy that truck. There was a lot of people like you, especially Tesla shareholders, people who own stock. We're excited. They're like, okay, let's get the, the let's get the price up. Because yeah. guess what Tesla just did? They just became the world's most valuable car company to ever exist. $150 billion market cap is what they hit the other day. What's at, their stock at right now? 800 I think. It's, oh it's bouncing gosh. between 750 and 800 a couple years ago when I bought my car. Dude, a couple years ago, Elon was saying, I'm going to take the company private. Remember when, when he was talking about that? I'm going to I'm going to pull it off the market. We're going to go private. That's when they were at like 400 bucks a share. Well, it's a good thing they didn't because now they're worth $800 a share. The company Crazy. doubled in value. And it's because they released that truck. So, so it doubled since they released that truck? The company, I don't, I don't know what the shares were, but I know that I think they were like 90 billion market cap, oh roughly, when that truck came out. Now they're 150 billion. Wow! And the truck is is not. I'm not okay with it. It's not. It's not for like, your for your for your community. You're not okay with it. dude. That truck is is what it represents. I don't even know how that thing's even legal for the Tesla community. They're okay with it. I don't think they are. And it's. <laughs> I think they're okay with. They, they support Elon. They support that. You love what he the built uniqueness, for you. The different yeah. being a different. The you know a symbol on the road that's different yeah, than everything else. Two hundred fifty thousand, three hundred thousand pre-orders. At $100 a piece, that's not a very serious deal. Like, And it's fully refundable. And really? the truck's not going to be built for another... 2021 is when they're going to start delivering the first models. Mm. 2022 for the loaded model. I just don't think that truck is going to become... I feel like they're going to have to change it. And mm. I'm still waiting for Tweak Elon it. to come out and say, just kidding, here's mm. what we're really going to make. Because all the Tesla owners thought like the truck might look like a Model X with like a bed. Something mm. cool, right, sexy right. body lines. But guess what? I 
love opportunities. And when I see an opportunity pop up, I'm like, game on. I saw him release that truck and uh, I was like, well, he just dropped the ball. He just missed the mark big time. And now there's a bunch of really excited like people in the automotive world that want an electric truck and they're not going to buy that. So a buddy of mine, kid that I grew up with, uh, 10, 12 years, we've known each other for a long time, um, Trevor. He's been running Nico. LDS. He has, yep. Wow. Yep. He served a mission in uh, Brazil. We met each other in that single world where I met my wife. Wow. And uh, it's funny. He started this company called Nikola. Nikola Tesla, right? Yeah, yeah. Nikola <laughs> Tesla. That's funny. And he's been around for seven or eight years, and they started in the heavy truck world. Semi-trucks. Electric semi-trucks. Electric semi-trucks. Yep. He had no desire to get into any other vehicles other than semi-trucks and then um, UTVs, like side-by-sides, mm-hmm. Polaris razors, that kind of stuff. He built an electric UTV. Um <laughs> it's funny, his, his semi-truck design, he was the first one to have an electric semi, and then Tesla came out with, with theirs, the and they basically knocked off wow. the Nikola design, and now it's a $2 billion lawsuit, Nikola versus Tesla, wow. which is just ironic. But anyways, I went to Trevor and I said, dude, you see what's happening? Like, see what Elon did? He came out with this, and I wasn't part of the business or anything at the time, and he said, yeah, it's an opportunity. And he had no desire to get into, in fact, it's funny, um, when Tesla released the Cybertruck, Trevor, my buddy that runs Nikola, he's the CEO, he had an initial concept, a sketch drawn up of the truck, that, the Nikola truck that we just released. And he tweeted it at Elon and said, hey, Elon, um, sorry about your, your launch. Here's a design of a truck that we were gonna, you know, playing around with, we're not gonna make it, so here you can have our design. Just to like, kind of tease him a little bit. And then Trevor and I started talking and we decided, you know what? We need to provide the F-150 guys, we need to provide all your buddies in Ohio right, right, right. with a truck that they'll actually drive to the job site, a truck they can take their boat to the lake with, and it's not something you're just gonna drive around Hollywood. Right. And that's <laughs> where we created the Nikola Badger, and it is going to dominate the US truck market. Wow. I'll tell you that right now, like, when Trevor and I first started talking, we're like, all right, what's our benchmark, what's our goal? Our goal wasn't to beat Tesla, our goal was to surpass them and go straight for the F-150 market, which sells one million trucks a year. The F-150. One million F-150s. There's three million trucks roughly sold every single year in the U.S. What's the second biggest? Uh, um, I think it's, a, it's probably split between like the Chevy and the Dodge, like half tons, uh-huh. and then you go into the diesel market, which is what our, our niche has always been. So a been. million F-150. One million F-150s sold every single year. Best-selling truck of all time. And so I thought, you know what? Why is it such it. a great truck? It's just a great all-around truck. It's, called, it's what you call a half ton. So it's designed to be able to, if you had a boat, uh, mm-hmm. Pull it to the lake, no problem. If you got a bigger trailer, you know, talking like twelve thousand pounds plus, you're not going to use an F one hundred and fifty. But if you are a carpenter and you got to go frame a house on, mm-hmm. you know, Monday through Friday, take your F one hundred and fifty. You got all your tools in the bed. Everything. Saturday, you're going to hook your boat up, go, go to the lake, and guess what? On Sunday, you can take the truck to church with your whole family. They're comfortable. Trucks are luxury cars. You know what? Ram fifteen hundred just won the Motor Trend Luxury Vehicle of the Year, not truck. Not SUV. And it's a truck. Luxury car of the year. And it's a freaking truck. How many do they sell those? Rams probably three, 400,000 a year. Um, so F-150 was our market. Obviously, they're selling the most. And Ford, you know, big company. And they released an electric version of the F-150. And it was kind of like, yeah, it was, it was, that's exactly, you didn't know. I don't even know. Not a lot of people knew. Because really? it was just kind of like lackluster. Fully electric. Yep. Not that exciting. Because here's the deal. 
I want people who are excited about electric vehicles and I also want people who would never consider an electric vehicle to be my customer. So what do I got to give them? I got to give them a truck that's sexy. It's got to feel futuristic, right? Uh-huh. For the for you guys, for you Tesla owners. Sure. But my blue collar guys, man, I'm going to drive a spaceship to work. No. So what we had to we had to find this weird fine line between building a truck that was sexy, sleek, new, futuristic looking while at the same time being rugged, uh, felt like a truck, didn't feel like a doorstop like Elon's right. um and that's where we came up with the Badger, which is basically, it's our answer to the F-150. But here's the deal. Here's what I'm most excited about. What's it about. have compared? So uh, pretty much specs are identical. If you were to measure the trucks as far as like width, length, yeah, yeah. very, very similar to an Same F-150. Same looking size, but mm-hmm. different modifications. Yeah, and well, that's kind of the whole half ton market. Like mm-hmm. everything- it's the same size. In yeah, the yeah. world. Yeah, every truck you see running around like here, especially like Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. LA, they're going to be that 1500 half ton model or smaller. You're not going to see a lot of full size trucks. Um, But what's the, how far can it go? All that stuff. Dude, that's the cool thing about what we've got. (laughs) Because my Tesla goes like 280 miles, I think. Right? Maybe 300 fully charged or something. What's the furthest you've driven it? Without charging it? Or just. What's the furthest you've taken? I took it to, uh, took it to Big Bear from here. But it took me like. What if you wanted to drive to Ohio for Christmas? You want to go see the family? It would take me forever. What would you get? What, 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 I mean, what would you have to plan around? I don't know. I'd probably have to charge it like 10 times. You right? get what's called range anxiety. Because you're stopping every. You get range anxiety because yeah. you know that your car's not going to go. Yeah, right. you have to go to different places. Where's the supercharger? Where exactly. am I going to be able to get this thing to keep going? Whereas if I'm going to drive any other gas powered vehicle to Ohio, gas station gas stations are miles. Exactly. Yeah. It's not a big deal. So what we've developed is. So in the world, this is this is a whole new world that people these terms aren't really, you know, mainstream yet. BEV, battery electric vehicle. That's what you drive. Okay. Full battery, full electric. No, no gas. Motor. Yeah. We developed the Nikola Badger to be a BEV as well as an FCEV, fuel cell electric vehicle. Do you know what hydrogen is? It's a, it's a gas. Hydrogen is the most abundant molecule in the universe. Okay. This right here, I got water in this cup. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all on its own. With a premium bang and a Lufsen sound system, and up to 313-mile range, on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower. The ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours today at Acura.com. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. This is H2O. Hydrogen. Hydrogen and oxygen mixed together becomes water. Well, Half of this molecule is flammable. Yeah. Do you know that? Yeah. Hydrogen, gas? Yeah. It's very flammable. So the problem is water's not flammable. So to be able to get hydrogen to be able to combust, you have to basically separate it from the oxygen molecule. 
and then you have a very, very potent fuel. Hydrogen technology uh, <laughs> has been around for a long time. People yeah. have been pushing, you know, pushing. Yeah, yeah, blimps, exactly. The Hindenburg yeah. blew up. Blew up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not. I mean, it's a very, it's a very light gas, but it's uh -huh. also very volatile, very flammable. So, hydrogen is a very viable fuel source. The problem is. It's got a bad rap over the years because people have tried to use it to power vehicles and it just never has kind of quite worked because the problem is to be able to separate the hydrogen from the oxygen, it takes a lot of energy. In fact, it takes more energy than it produces. Mm. So to be able to split those molecules, I have to use a lot of electricity or a lot of gas or whatever it is. And the result is, yeah, I get hydrogen fuel, but at what cost? It costs me more to make that than, than the, right. the, so technology is getting better. And now it's gotten to the point where hydrogen fuel can be split, you know, and basically stored more cost effectively. And the technology is literally getting better every single day. So we have our battery, powers our truck, right? This goes inside the chassis. Mm -hmm. And then we have our hydrogen fuel cell. Our hydrogen fuel cell is basically a compressed air tank with eight, I think ours is eight kilograms is what the volume is. So you basically take the hydrogen hose, you fill your tank, bam. You've got your stores hydrogen fuel it. cell. It stores that, that compressed air basically inside that tank. Now, what we Where do you do, get the hydrogen? There's filling stations all over the place. Really? Um, but like gas stations mostly? Or yeah, no? it's, not, it's not mainstream yet. So that's, gotcha. the, that's the biggest hurdle is hydrogen-fueled vehicles. People are like, well, where do I fill it up? Yeah. You're lucky. In California, there's quite a few hydrogen stations. In Ohio, I bet you there's maybe one. One. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they're not very common. But guess what's going to happen? As the market starts to demand it, gas stations will say, well, yeah, we'll carry hydrogen. Sure. Maybe we'll sell it. Because it's it's clean, 100% zero emissions, you run hydrogen in a vehicle, the only result, the only, you know, tailpipes, big, nasty, smoky, mm -hmm. the only result from hydrogen is like vapor, mm. steam, just water vapor. Yeah. So what we have is a battery that powers our truck, and then we have the hydrogen fuel cell that basically acts as like a backup to that battery. Really? So battery technology sucks, dude. It's I mean, hard, it's man. come a long ways, but still lithium ion batteries. How far will the battery go? You go about what your Tesla will do. It's a 160 kilowatt battery that'll go roughly 300 miles in an electric truck. And then the... So that doubles tank. your range. Really? So 600 miles is what we're getting. But here's the wow, best part about crazy. it is the hydrogen basically passes through. There's a fuel cell uh, hydrogen, and then there's a regular combustion engine that's powered by hydrogen. We're not going combustion engine. We're talking about running a fuel cell. Hydrogen runs through it, and it creates basically static electricity. That static electricity is then captured, pushed into your battery, and your truck can use that power. So where your battery, you know, throughout the day in your Tesla is dying, we've got a hydrogen fuel cell that's charging continuing to charge it. No way. Yeah. So it can charge it back up how far? As, as far, like 600 miles. 600 so, but miles. here's wow. the deal. Nobody's ever gonna go through a full tank of hydrogen in a day, uh -huh. unless you're on a road trip or something, then you're gonna plan around those filling stations. But what it does is your Tesla does not have the ability to hold all of its power for more than eight to 10 seconds at a time which isn't a big deal for you unless you're drag racing it, which right. it's a fast car, right? So fast. Zero fastest to 60 the, and two something. It's fastest car on the road, I feel yeah, like. But right? guess, guess what? Off the road. It'll only do that once or twice. If mm -hmm. you try to do those pulls over and over and over again, slow your bit. battery says, uh, uh we can't keep up and your electric motors say, nope, we're, we're being asked to do too much because there's not enough power in the battery to support this. Yeah, yeah. Well, hydrogen comes in and says, no, we're good. We're gonna continue to, to basically power that battery. So whatever you wanna do, you wanna take, take your truck and trailer and haul it up, um, Go off you know, El Cajon yeah, or whatever yeah. it is, you're gonna be able to like maintain your speed and your power under wow. a heavy load. That's why we're different and that's why we're gonna dominate the market. And especially since Elon calls hydrogen fuel, he calls it a full cell. 
So it's a hydrogen fuel cell. He says it's a fuel cell. Wow. And he doesn't believe in it. He thinks it's just, you know, never going to catch on. Well, I disagree. And I'm, I'm putting, I'm betting on that big. Most people also didn't think electric would catch on. Right? They were just like, they're never going to transfer over from gas. They like the sound. They like the feel of like a gas car. But it's like, how many electric cars were sold in the last few years? And now it's the most valuable car company that ever exists, Tesla. Really? At $150 billion. So obviously it's caught on. Right. So hydrogen. There's a market for it. The hydrogen <laughs> will catch on. There's, there's a market for it. Yeah. Technology is getting better every single day. And it's good for all of us. Because going back to what you asked me about being ashamed of with the hydrogen, you know, with the emissions of diesel vehicles, uh-huh. I've been guilty of blowing black smoke out of my, my truck. I hate that. Now I look back and I'm like, man, that was dumb. But there's a whole world of people that still think it's okay to have their truck spit black smoke and their vehicle, you know, mm-hmm. create these emissions. Well, whether you believe in global warming or climate change or not, that's not what this is about. This is about making life better for all of us. Yeah. This is about, you know, the smog as you're pulling into LA here. Like, let's get that down. Eliminate it. And you know where that's coming from? It's coming from engines. Yeah. Engines that are burning fossil fuels, creating that smog. So we have the ability to literally, in my opinion, and this is because I'm an overconfident idiot probably, but <laughs> I believe that with the technology that we're working on, I can get rid of LA smog. Wow. I believe that I can make the air quality better all around the world. And if global warming is a real thing, which I'm not even, I honestly don't even have an opinion on it. If it's real, I'm going to slow it down. Wow. And that's going to happen because we're going to start burning something that creates zero emissions. And we're going to use the most abundant molecule in the universe to do it. Wow. It's crazy, man. It's, it's exciting times. So you guys pre-launched it already. How's it doing so far? Are we you guys, are you guys taking in um, pre-sales? or how's We're it creating a, a basically a reservation list right now. We uh-huh. have not started taking the orders yet because we're waiting to confirm a couple of small details as far as like who's making the truck for us. Right. Uh, which, <laughs> a whole different small ball detail. Yeah, Building yeah. a truck, building a v- any vehicle, not easy. A lot, yeah. And the margins suck. Mm-hmm. Like you're talking maybe 10, 15% on, from when Ford sells a truck to what they're actually making. Um, because you have to pay warranties, dealers, all that kind of stuff. But so yeah, we got that stuff dialed in. We launched it a couple weeks ago and we've got a few hundred thousand people that put their name on the list overnight that said, I'm interested. interested. Yeah. Tell me more. And so we're going to open up reservations here in the next couple of weeks. And this is what I do best. This is my business. My business is going out and telling everybody why something is so great, how it's going to benefit them and what the next step is, meaning how do you buy it? Right. Um, and my business has been formed around incentivized orders and sales. We give away a truck every month as part of our business. And so I'm taking what I've learned in this little grassroots social media business, and now I'm applying it to a multi, multi-billion, a trillion dollar industry in the automotive world. And I'm not a guy, two years ago, three years ago, I'm not a guy that could have been making big waves in the automotive world, neither are you. I don't care, right. neither could Dwayne Johnson, nobody could. You couldn't because it was controlled by the manufacturers. Well, this whole twist, as far as like zero emissions and everything goes, now I'm a guy that has no business, you know, uh, making these big ripples and, and effects. I'm doing it every single day. And I'm telling you, man, within the next year or two, the entire automotive world is going to change. Mm. Every manufacturer is frantically scrambling, trying to get a hold of electric technology. Try to create electric, their own version of electric. They're not yeah. car companies anymore, man. They're tech companies. Wow. Tesla's a tech company. It is. You should compare I'm them. I'm updated every week with my new software and like how it's improving. Like the car is improving. Compare them more to Apple than you do yeah. with Ford. It's because crazy, you're right, right, the car is constantly getting better. It's getting better. You don't and, have to buy a new car right. to get better. So the value in the company right now is not $150 billion as an automotive company. It's $150 billion as a tech company and what yeah. they've created. So that's why it's so exciting. And that's why this truck is gonna, it's gonna dominate the market. Wow. Obviously we've got a ton of interest in it already because I'd be able to, I've been able to take the tech side 
and bring it over to the blue collar America and the guys that are actually gonna be able to use it. Yeah. If you were to tell me what, how good your Tesla is and why it benefits you so much, I really don't care because I don't need a Model X to do whatever it does for right. you. Right. But I do need a truck and I need it to be able to be more cost effective and I need to be able to drive it further and spend less. So that's the problem that we solved, dude. It's, uh, it's exciting, man. It is very exciting. How I'm, do we find it? How do we? So Nikola.com forward slash Badger. Uh, no, NikolaMotor.com. Um, if you Google, like if you type in Nikola Badger, it's all over the place, press releases. Yeah. Um, Nikola Motor Company, uh, or you can see it on my Instagram page. It's at Heavy D Sparks. <laughs> We're just barely getting started. We barely just trickled some of it out. Great, um, and no influencers, no, no media outlets, no paid media yet. And we've got like hundreds of millions of impressions. People that are excited. Wow, man. Because, like I said, Elon kind of left like this gaping hole in the market. And I'm glad he did because well, he's had probably he not, not even concerned that, with that market. I mean, he's concerned with his market. He's probably not like, I need everyone to buy the truck. He's, he's going to be now. Really? <laughs> he, he has to be because ultimately, <laughs> if his truck is not a hoax, if that's real, right? people are... He, once he starts selling those, people are going to be like, wait, he was serious? Like, this is actually on the road? Like, it's it's... It's kind of fun in games right now, but now that he's got real competition out wow. there, um, other people be are trying to do it too, right? Other people are not. Yeah, there's Rivian, uh, which is a company yeah. that's making electric trucks, but nobody's uh, using the hydrogen. Wow. So we have the ability to run a truck that's just on battery. If, say you don't believe in hydrogen, fine, I'll sell you a truck with just a battery. Right. But if you believe that you want double the range, double the power, and uh, you know renewable fuel, well, you buy the truck with the hydrogen fuel cell. It's the exact same truck, just has the fuel cell in it. So that's where we've uh, we've made a little bit of a difference and. It is just so fun right now watching this industry change. The industry's been the same for 80 years in yeah. the automotive world. Like, nothing major has come in and changed. There's big technology updates, but nothing's disrupted it like this. Yeah. And you're about to watch some major, major, like, I, two weeks ago, was sitting in a meeting with the CEO of huge car companies. I'm talking the biggest car companies in the world. And they were just like, what's next? Yeah. What I'm like, <laughs> I, I had to sit back and be like, why are you wow. asking me these questions? How do you not know this? And we just happen to be the right place at the right time. So it's good, man. Yeah, it's been good. It's exciting. So obviously, you can tell I'm passionate about it. And, I love uh, it, man. I love it. I'm curious. Uh, so make sure you guys check that out. Check out uh, your Instagram. You're also doing. I got a couple questions left for you, but you're doing Monster Jam. What once a month? A couple times a month? How many times are you doing it? Yeah. So we have a, a tour that goes to a new city every single weekend. Uh, my schedule's so busy that I can't drive every single one. But we do drive. Uh, I've got Miami, Florida coming up this next weekend, and then we've got Detroit. But if you go to monsterjam.com, if you haven't been to a monster truck show, yeah, it'll it'll show everybody's schedule. There's cool. there's anywhere across the country at any given time, there's six or seven different monster it's jam crazy, tours. It's crazy, man. Yeah. You saw, you it's experienced fun, it, man. and you're not been. even a monster truck guy, but now you probably are. It was fun. I'll come watch you again. Absolutely. Yeah, it was good, man. I got two final questions for you. This one's called the three truths. Yeah. So imagine it's your last day on earth many years from now, mm -hmm. and you've achieved every dream you could think of. You've seen your family do what they want to do, you've achieved everything, right. whether it's the car world, truck world, whatever, you've done it all. Um, but for whatever reason, you've got to take all the information you put out into the world, you've got to take it with you to the next place, wherever you go. But you get to leave behind three things you know to be true about your life experience for the rest of us. Three lessons, what I like to call three truths. And this is all we'd have to remember you by. What would you say are your three truths? Number one, your worst case scenario is nowhere near as bad as what you think it is. Meaning that failure, that bankruptcy, that breakup, that divorce, that failed business idea, 
you're not going to prison for it. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get put in jail because you failed a business. I mean, obviously, if you're on the Ponzi scheme, that's a different right, story. Right. But worst case scenarios are really never that bad. They're always worse in our head than what real life is. And so with that, you need to approach every situation where you could potentially fail and just say, you know what? I'm not going to let myself talk myself out of this because of what I think it could be. Let me figure out what it's going to be mm. and, and experience that. And just know that all those bad things that you thought were going to happen, they might be bad, but it's like, oh, wait, that wasn't, that was it? Like when you get that yeah. shot in your arm when you're a kid, yeah. it's the thought, the, the, the side of the needle that it's kills you. It hurts, it's when you get the shot, you're like, no, oh, that was it. <laughs> so worst case scenario is not that bad. Uh -huh. And approach everything like that. Forget about risk. Just push it aside sometimes. That doesn't mean that you need to be reckless. Yeah. You got to be a little bit more calculated, but don't overthink things. Yeah. Okay. Number two goes right along the line. And this is, if you would ask me this question a year ago, I wouldn't have been able to tell you this, but it goes back to what we talked about a minute ago, which is um, focus, figure out what you're good at and get your sights set on it and get that and become really good at what you're going after and then move on to the next thing. Yeah. Don't try to do a hundred things kind of okay when you can do 10 things better than anybody else in the world. And that's like, focus on, I'm proud of you for doing that with your podcast, dude. Like masterminds, it's, that's a big money, money world. Money. Yeah, but I'm good at it. You're good at it. You're great at it. You're great at talking. But dude, you're better. Like this is your role. This is your position. This is where you need to be right now. And maybe it won't be that way in two years. Sure. Maybe, but you're focusing on it and you're sacrificing. And it's okay to make those sacrifices. So, yeah, yeah take, take that focus and just get laser focused on something that you're trying to become yeah. good at and become the best. And the then third thing. Third thing is like. It goes, it's okay to love other people. And not only is it okay to love other people, but even if you don't have a reason or understand why you're supposed to care about somebody, do it for selfish motives at first, because just know, I promise you this, every time you give, you're going to get back more than you gave. And that's, it sounds bad. I, I get it. But once you learn that law and you see how you can mm -hmm. make a positive impact on other people's lives, you'll start doing things for different reasons and your yeah, motives will yeah. change. I now give to others because I see that it genuinely like makes them, it's what life's all about, dude. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the golden rule. Literally, like it is okay to love other people more than, more than what society tells us is okay. And find ways to embrace, like maybe you're not in, maybe you're in rural Ohio, where you don't have a single Mexican guy in your town or, you know, it's just find opportunities to dive outside your culture and learn another language, learn about the people in Mexico, learn about the people in other countries, because you'll find that you really like in loving other people, it's proving that you love yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's man, that for me, that's it. Like the more I love other people, the more I love other cultures, the more I like, I'm out there doing good. I come back, check in with myself, and I'm like, yeah. man, I feel good. I love myself. And I, it's, right. it, it's, it's a byproduct of loving other people. So that's it, man. it's golden rule, man. That's it, man. Dude, I love it, Dave. I'm, uh, I want to acknowledge you for constantly leaning into your curiosity. I feel yeah. like your entire childhood, you're just like, let me figure this thing out. Let me do the next thing. Let me try this thing out. And you kept leaning into it to improve your situation, your situation and other people's situations around you. You're doing that now with uh, the car company. You're doing that with so many different things. So I acknowledge you for leaning Thank into you. that, for embracing all cultures, yeah. all people, falling in love with everybody. Curiosity so is a very powerful thing. It's huge. And man. if you have it, pursue it. Yeah. It's okay to disassemble that radio and maybe never put it back together because yeah. guess what? <laughs> if you didn't, then you wouldn't know. 
Exactly. You wouldn't get to the point where you were able to, to start building and creating. So yeah. curiosity is very powerful. Yeah, man, I acknowledge you for everything and I appreciate your passion for life yeah. and uh, your inspiration for so many people. Uh, final question, what's your definition of greatness? My definition of greatness is never stopping, never never being complacent. Ed Milet says it best when he says uh, blissful dissatisfaction. Mm -hmm. you're ne you've never made it. You can be okay with where you're at, but just know that you're capable of so much more. And when you see somebody that actually lives their life by that you know, standard, that's greatness. Yeah. Wow. All your biggest guests, the most popular people, the most you know, uh, successful people you've interviewed, are they, have they plateaued? No. They're still going. Yeah. You're still trying to find ways to become better. So that, to me, is greatness. My man, Dave, thanks bro. Appreciate, Appreciate you, man. You, Absolutely. My friend, thank you so much for being here, for improving your life, for learning, for listening, for growing. You have the ability to change your life any moment you choose to, but it takes the right information. It takes the right accountability. It takes the right actions, the right thoughts to move your life forward. I'm so proud of you. I'm so grateful for you for showing up for yourself today, for doing something positive, for improving your life. And you have the ability to change your friends' lives too just by sharing this episode. You can text a friend, lewishouse.com slash 923. Post this on social media. Make sure to tag Dave as well over on Instagram and check out the full show notes at lewishouse.com slash 923. You have the power to not only improve and change your life, but help someone else as well. And every time we give and help others, it makes us feel that much better. It might be selfish, I know, but the greatest way that I serve myself is by helping other people because it just feels good. It just feels good to help people and you have that ability at any moment to help someone as well. If this is your first time here, please subscribe. Leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts. We've got over 6,000 five-star reviews and over 160 million downloads. Crazy to even say that. We started this seven years ago and it just keeps growing and growing and it's all because of you. I love you so very much. Bruce Lee, the great, said... The successful warrior is the average man with laser focus. You may not feel like you're great or you've achieved something incredible at this stage of your life. Or you might feel like you're behind where you think you should be. But it's the average people who have laser focus that create extraordinary results. I feel like I've just always been an average dude. I just continue to show up every single day. And if it's possible for me, I'm telling you, it's possible for you. I love you. You deserve to be great. You are great. And it's time to go out there and do something great. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. 
Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Yeah, the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, essential plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.